Thanks for downloading Scott Harold's podcast. If you use a smart speaker, you can always ask Alexa to enable the SOS radio skill. As Christians, we're so diverse, not only in our physical appearance, but how we're wired up. And we're talking about our diversity of personality today at SOS Radio with Elizabeth Bennett. She's an author, and Elizabeth has actually spent the last few years writing devotionals for each Enneagram type. There's nine different Enneagram types, and that's a lot of devotionals. She's actually joining us today at SOS Radio. How are you, Elizabeth? I'm doing great. How are you, Scott? So the Enneagram breaks down a lot of different personalities, right? We all have like our things that motivate us and the things that tempt us and challenge us. But if we want to get along with other people, we can learn a lot about understanding how they're wired up differently than we are. How do you even start to explain the gist of the Enneagram to those that aren't real familiar? So I think it's best to start explaining it saying that it's a personality typing system. So if you're already familiar with Myers-Briggs or Distress Strength Finder, you have a really good basis for understanding the Enneagram. Because in a lot of ways, it's really similar. But for the Enneagram, they break up personality into nine different types. So like Myers-Briggs is 16. So this is only nine. So it may be a little bit easier to memorize if you want to learn them all. And no Enneagram type is better or worse than the other. They're just numbered so we can tell them apart, not because like one is better than a two or anything like that. You know, it's interesting because like we talk a lot about diversity in our culture right now. We think about our backgrounds. We think about how much money we make. We think about where we grew up. But personality is one of the biggest challenges that we all face if we're not in a healthy space. Oh, it definitely is. I think more so than anything else. My mom always told me growing up that me and my brother should be the two people that got along the most on the earth because we had so much in common. Yet our personalities were so polar opposites that it made it really challenging. We're talking about the Enneagram and our different personality types and the way that we look at diversity and the way that we look at getting along with people that have different points of view than we do. I'm Scott on SWIS Radio. We're talking with Elizabeth Bennett. Elizabeth, there's a lot of different personality types like the perfectionist or the helper, or the achiever, the thinker, the guardian. There's so many. There's nine different personality types in the Enneagram. And you decided to research how that all plays out in regard to how we exercise and live out our faith. Each of the different Enneagram types definitely has a little bit of a different approach to what we need to hear from God and also how we reflect God to the world. As image bearers, we all have very unique ways that we show the world the love, the character of God, and it was so cool to be able to research all of that. And in doing that, I began to have so much more grace and understanding for the people in my life that are not like me, because I can see why we need them so much, because they reflect a very different part of God than I do. Elizabeth, it's so interesting inside the Enneagram types, you know, there's our strengths, there's our common gut feelings, there's common sins that tempt different personalities differently. Like some people are tempted more with pride, other people it's greed. Others, it's emotional things. You know, when you dig into what fears we have, the way that we've been wounded and how we exercise our faith in that space, it's so much deeper than just being introverted or extroverted, huh? Oh, it definitely is, because we all have very different assumptions about ourselves and even about God, you know, moving into adulthood and the world at large. And we're dealing with a very different wounds just because of our personality. Like some little kids are going to be told, you're too much, you're too loud, like you're way too much in our face. And then there's going to be other ch- children that are told, you're too quiet, you need to stand up for yourself. And each of those 
assumptions about those kids leaves a different mark on them than makes them react differently as an adult. So Elizabeth, you put together a 60-day Enneagram devotional, and it's not one book. It's actually nine different books. You don't need to read all nine. You could just find the one that pertains to your own personality type. But Elizabeth, the Enneagram 9, the peacemaker, is actually the most common personality type. Why do you think that is? I actually don't believe that there is a most common Enneagram type. I know that a couple of teachers actually believe that Enneagram 6 is the most common Enneagram type. But when they first discovered that, it was actually within a Catholic group where being an Enneagram 6 is actually a really good thing. And so I actually believe just from the knowledge I have of God and my personal relationship with Him that I think He made us all equally. Like He made equal amounts of 8s and 9s and 1s to have kind of that equal reflection. But one of the issues with the Enneagram, especially with it becoming so popular, is there is a huge amount of mistyping. And a lot of that has to do with how we stereotype ourselves as just even our gender or what we've been told about ourselves. And that can make us mistype. That's interesting. So what do we do if we want to figure out, you know, what is my type? Am I like a thinker? Am I a challenger? Am I more of a justice-oriented person? Am I that peacemaker that has more natural empathy than other people? Or am I like a helper, like a more caring, focused person that wants to help others but doesn't want to be mistaken for a doormat? Yeah, so finding out your Enneagram type can be quite a journey if you really want to get it right, if you really want to glean some of the good stuff that the tools that Enneagram has to offer. And so we always recommend that you study the Enneagram for yourself. So there's a lot of free resources like the Enneagram Institute online. You can read over each of the type analysis on my Instagram page, Enneagram.life. Um, on the link in the bio, we have an Enneagram assessment. If you scroll all the way down to the bottom, it kind of reads like a book. If you read all the posts all the way up. We just recommend that you get familiar with all of the nine types because it's easy just to go online and take a quiz and a number will be spit out at you. And it might make sense, might not. But if you only learn about that type, even if it is your correct type, you really are not gleaning all the gold that Enneagram has to offer because it has really helped me to have so much more grace for the people around me and so much more understanding for the people I didn't understand. What are some of the pieces we put together on where the Enneagrams come from? I've heard that there was Catholic priests that were using it back in the Middle Ages. I've heard that it was used back in the 4th century. And then there's a lot of people that have just discovered it this last year and think this is like the most revolutionary thing. How come I've never heard about this before? Yeah, exactly. So everything that is really, really old, we don't have a ton of proof for how it was used or why it was used or anything like that. But more recently, the Enneagram has come to be what we know it today because in like the 1950s, philosopher discovered it and together with his psychologist friend, they're the ones that put the names to the Enneagram type. So instead of it just being point one, now we have the perfectionist. And he also is the one that gave each of the Enneagram types a deadly sin. Not that they only do that sin, but that sin tends to be kind of a blind spot and something that trips them up over and over again because this philosopher had a Catholic background. And so he gave them deadly sins. That's where you get a lot of the language around the Enneagram that actually sounds very Christian because he was Catholic. And then it got found by um, Father Richard Rohr kind of more in the 80s, and he wrote some books about it. And that's when it started getting used really heavily in the Catholic circle. And then Ian Morgan Cron was introduced to the Enneagram through Richard Rohr, and he wrote The Road Back to You, which was published in, I think it was 2017. And that was the first Enneagram book that really explained the Enneagram in layman's terms. Because there was other Enneagram books and literatures out there, but it they were really, really deep. 
and really hard to understand. And so Ian Morgan Cron and Suzanne Stabile's book, The Road Back to You, really explained the Enneagram in a way that we could all understand it. And that's where you see this big boom of the Enneagram happening just in the last two years or so, where you'll see all these social media accounts and all this stuff explaining the Enneagram. And so that it's become a tool that so many people can use. We're talking about the Enneagram and how we can understand ourselves and our motivations and also see the way that we get along with other people when we see so much conflict in our culture and we just think like, I am this way, why don't other people listen to what I have to say? And others are saying, hey, I just want to be heard. I just want to be seen. I just want to be listened to. And when we can start to understand that there's different personality types, regardless of which personality studies you use, the Enneagram is one example where there's nine different personalities types like the perfectionist and the helper, the achiever and the individualist, the thinker, the guardian, the enthusiast, the challenger and the peacemaker. And we're actually talking with Elizabeth Bennett today at SOS Radio. And you actually put together a 60-day Enneagram devotional. And this is digging into the spiritual side, looking at our personalities and the way that God's wired us up and the things that motivate us and challenge us, right? Yeah, so in these 60-day devotionals, we actually go over six different topics, 10 days of each. And so we go over how you reflect God and really encourage you in the way that you were made. And then we go over your deadly sin, this blind spot that's going to keep tripping you up and tripping you up until you actually realize it and deal with it. And then we go over a strength of your type, a weakness of your type, and then how you're type is like in stress and how it is in growth. And obviously, we have a every day begins with a Bible verse. And we are weaving scripture and just God's heart for you throughout all of these days, and how you are wired, and just encouraging you in the ways that you are strong, and convicting you in an encouraging way in the ways that you are weak, and trying to invite God in to help you grow. So let's talk about some of those core temptations that are underneath the surface. I mean, there's our best self when we're in a healthy space, and then there's the part of us that follows the greed and follows the temptation or gets all self-indulgent, and then we just go sideways, right? And we're in an unhealthy space. So let's talk about a couple of those sins that we should be thinking about that may be allocated or may be normal to certain personality types, like the achiever or the challenger or the peacemaker. Yeah, um, so I'll go ahead and pick on myself. I'm an Enneagram 4, and Enneagram 4's deadly sin is considered to be envy. And I don't think I would have called myself an envious person before I learned about the Enneagram. And so in that way, it has really helped expose some sin issues in my life and has brought me to a lot of repentance. Because I'm not a person that would look at someone's fancy car or something someone has and say, oh, I want that. But I do have a lot of envy over how easy it is for other people in social situations or how easy it is for them to decide like what they're doing in their life. I'm probably an achiever and some also some things about the challenger that I resonate with. What are some of those areas of temptation for those two? Yeah, so the achiever type three, their deadly sin is deceit. All the threes in my life really struggle with this word deceit because I don't think any type three is usually out there purposely deceiving people. It's a lot more helpful to think of deceit as people-pleasing, as omitting the truth. Someone assumes something about you and you don't correct them because it's flattering, that kind of thing. So that's three's deadly sin. And then type eight's deadly sin is lust, which that's definitely not in the categorized in the way that we typically think of lust. Type eight, the challenger, their deadly sin of lust is so much more about this drive for intensity. And so it's all about 
where that is focused. Because obviously, if you have lust for your spouse, that's not a bad thing. But if you have lust for something that is not yours or not yours to do, like that is bad. So it's the same with energy. If you have energy towards God's calling for you and what you're supposed to be doing in life, and you go full force toward that thing, that's good. But if you're going full throttle towards something that's not yours or not yours to do, then that's one way that Satan can really distract your energy and use it in a way that's really destructive. What about the peacemaker? You know, we're talking in culture about how peace is a solution to so many of the problems we have, but what's the core challenge with the peacemaker personality? Yeah, peacemakers, their main motivation is internal peace. And so one of their biggest challenges is that they can be very conflict avoidant because obviously conflict is one of the biggest destroyers of peace. And so in this, their deadly sin is sloth. And we don't think of sloth necessarily as laziness, but more as numbing. So there is so much going on that a nine cannot find peace or internal peace. It's almost like they will numb themselves with familiar TV shows, just doing certain tasks over and over again, but in like kind of a numbed out way. Just anything that makes it so they don't have to think about what's going on or what they're doing. Um, They'll just numb out. And obviously there's an apathy to that that's actually, it's a spiritual apathy that God doesn't want for our lives. He wants us to be present and engaged because he is present and engaged with us. That's really interesting because you think about your healthy self and then your unhealthy self on the two ends of that and saying, I want to be my best self connected with God and centered on him, right? (laughs) Exactly. I think all of us have this drive and desire to be close to God and be our best selves. But it's just like the hymn, like, I'm prone to wander, Lord, I fear it. We all have that in us because we all have this sin nature we're still warring against, and we still are all on this journey of sanctification that God's helping us with. Well, we're talking with Elizabeth Bennett today at SWS Radio, and she actually wrote a 60-day Enneagram devotional. There's actually not one book that highlights all of them. It talks a little bit about each one, but she actually individually wrote nine different books, one for each of the different Enneagram types that kind of deal with where we are in our spiritual walk and our healthy self and then our temptations and really finding the center of who God's challenged us to be when we're in community with Him. Thanks so much for sharing today, Elizabeth. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for listening to the SOS Radio Podcast with Scott Harold. If this discussion encouraged you, feel free to share it with your friends on social media.